Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Metz. Today, we are continuing along with our previews. We have three remaining uh, season opponent previews. And look, I, I waited way too long to get really serious with these, but I'm so glad that so many people from the 1012 Podcast Network are able to jump on and chat with us about what is going on with these opponents. And of course, joining me, I just was on his, or I guess by the time this publishes, it'll probably be about the same time, I think. Um, we'll be jumping over on his podcast over there, the Tortillas and Takes podcast. Uh, that is the one and only Mr. Albie Shore. Albie, how you doing today? What's up, Andy? You know, always a great time to be on the podcast, you know. It used to be that you were one of the few Kansas football fans. Now y'all are growing, right? Like now. Yeah, well, no, 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 no. You know, I was one of the some... few that was not afraid to say I was a Kansas football fan. <laughs> to admit it, right? Right. They've always <laughs> been there. It's just whether they want to claim it or not is another That's matter. True. That's fair. Yeah, that's true because it's not like you automatically become if you're from like Kansas City or something like that, you just become a Kansas fan come November, right? It's not like basketball season. I'm like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm here. Well, I'm, uh, I mean, there are definitely that. there are definitely some uh, Kansas people that you know, uh, some in my own extended family who are K State football fans K-State and KU football. basketball fans because yeah. those are the teams that were good for good portions of when you know they actually paid attention. So. Uh, It's unfortunate, right? Like, I root for every team in the Big 12, except for when they play the Jayhawks. I am most definitely a Jayhawk fan, but you know what? Big 12 keeps getting bigger. Do you work for every team in the Big 12? If K-State... I will root for K-State in non-conference situations. Okay. I will enjoy the fact that they are representing the conference well, but if it in any way hurts Kansas, I cannot bring myself to root for K-State. And you know what? Like... I also am not going to be nearly as heartbroken if something weird happens to K-State as if, you know, it's like Texas Tech or TCU or, you know, one of those other teams in the Big 12. So You're a much better supporter of the conference than I am because yeah. I feel that way about the conference until you bring up TCU, Baylor, or Oklahoma State. Those three schools, 
or Texas, of course. But at this point, Texas and Oklahoma are not even in the conference. Yeah, they don't they so don't count anymore. They don't count. So, like, if it's TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma State, sorry about you. <laughs> You're going Man. to get Ole Miss, go Ole Miss. Especially if it's TCU or Baylor. Them two, screw them. I mean, like, I can understand. To be honest, Baylor and Texas are are kind of on the same boat for me. It's like I don't know nearly enough cool Baylor fans or cool Texas fans to feel good about rooting for them outside of the, hey, I want the Big 12 to look good. Like, we, And, you know, to that point, you know what sucks about TCU the most is that everyone I've ever met from TCU, actually a good, pretty good person. And it's pretty annoying because I do, every time Texas Tech and TCU play, it's usually a pretty good game, right, in all sports. I think that's really the reason why the West Texas rivalry really starting because not just football, but basketball. They, all sports other than football, TCU and Tech are usually about the same level. Like, if we're both good, we're both good. If we're both bad, we're both bad. Football is the only one where there's a little bit of a variance um, up until this year. But um, everywhere else, right, basketball, we were both bad at the same time. Now we're both decent at the same time. Baseball, right, when Texas Tech was getting really good at baseball, TCU was already pretty good at baseball, right? Women's basketball, right? We were even really – both of us both, both of us have been really bad in the Big 12, and now we're both improving. So that, like, rivalry is starting because, like, across sports – it's, you know, we're both at the same point and having really good games. The problem is TCU people, all 10 of them, uh, are nice people. They're nice people. And it's tough. I'm glad, I'm glad that Melissa is part of such an ex- exclusive club. So Melissa Treeboss, her friend yeah. of the show. Um, yep. She was know. just on our pod. She's a fantastic person. Her, Jamie Plunkett. Yeah, I won't both, get to talk to her about football crazy. this year because KU doesn't play TCU in football, which is kind of weird. There was a low-key yeah. Kansas TCU, like, weird crap is going to happen type of rivalry going on. And, and it's, it's been interrupted, unfortunately, but it is weird after a decade of playing everybody in the conference, right. That there's some like, like, like tech's not playing Oklahoma state this year. So I never previewed with Phillips, right. Um, tech's not playing. Uh, who else are we not playing? Iowa state this year, which by the way, Texas tech not getting a chance to play Iowa state or Cincinnati. That blows. Okay. <laughs> there's a bottom four school a team like there's four schools that I think everybody has a consensus of the bottom four schools and I think it's Iowa State Cincinnati Houston and um uh I know I'm and West Virginia West Virginia yeah yeah and if you are lucky enough and I think Oklahoma State might be the team that's lucky enough to play all four of those schools oh man that's just like, there's, a that's reason. The thing is, is... There, there's a reason people talk about Oklahoma State having such an easy schedule this year. Right. It's because they play all four yeah, of their schools. Like, like KU only gets two of them. They, they get to go on the road. Yeah. yeah, they get to go on the road to Cincinnati, and they get to go on the road to Iowa State. Like, man, yeah. it's like, you know, I just got done talking to Levi about Iowa State and, and that one. It's like, I, I, I don't know if Iowa State's going to be quite as bad as some of those other teams just because Campbell has, you know, been able to kind of get stuff out of his people. But there's easily a way to like envision them just completely falling off a cliff like West Virginia oh, has done the last couple of years. So absolutely. Um, I mean, right. I already thought they were going to be pretty below, you know, down there, maybe not the worst team. I thought they were going to have a tough season and then half the team decides that they're going to all be Pete Rose. So like, it's, yeah. it's really just, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but I thought the funniest thing ever was that Oklahoma state got a transfer wide receiver from Iowa who is now no longer able to play because he was betting on Iowa games. Not only that, he was an offensive player betting the under on Iowa games. Like yeah, what does no, that tell you? <laughs> like that's yeah, how bad oh it was. All right, let's go ahead. Uh, Texas tech obviously had a, had a good end of the year last year, right? Like things were improving towards the end of the year. They had some, you know, as is, 
fairly normal for Texas Tech, it seems. They had some quarterback issues throughout the season with guys getting injured and, and trying to shuffle stuff. And it actually worked out pretty well for them, I think, towards the end of the year. But, um, you know, coming into this year, you know, it seems like T- Tyler Shuck is back. And I don't know if he's the presumed starter or not. Like, I would assume so just because of, you know, he was a presumed starter last year and only lost the job due to injury. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people talking about Texas Tech as a quote-unquote dark horse Big 12 championship pick. Um, I-, I definitely think they're going to be good this year. But, like, what is the case for saying that they're going to be that improved going into this season? Yeah, I think it's most it, – well, first off, having expectations – uh, uh, it's wild, right? I, have, I know, we haven't it's had so expectations <laughs> since I was in school, right? Over a decade ago, it had we have not had expectations since I, I said it on the pod the other day. I think the last time we had expectations was Mike Leach's last year, right? 2009. That's crazy. It's the last time we had legitimate expectations going into the season. So it's 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 kind of you know like a lot of the new the new grads and the people in college are not used to this. They don't know what to do with their hands, right? Like just like what do we do with this expectation? Um, I will say. This is the team, like you mentioned, last year that won eight games, including the last four games, right? They have a healthy quarterback. People forget that Tyler Shuck, when he transferred to Tech, was viewed as a potential first-round pick before he came to Texas Tech. And and that talent, that raw talent is still there. He has great mechanics. Um, He has that arm talent. All that is still there. It's just the last two years, like you said, he's been hurt. He hasn't actually been able to really show it. And it's starting to see those last two games last year against Oklahoma and against Ole Miss – it, 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 you started to see it again. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, this is the Tyler Shuck that we were talking about when we first got him. This is the Tyler Shuck we saw back in 2021 against Houston. This is the guy that we were that was has been advertised. So you kind of have that. And also, most of the team is back. I mean, that's, that's I think, the biggest thing is you had an eight-win season, and most of the team is back. That team that beat the crap out of Ole Miss, the majority of that team is back. So – um, like I know a, a big piece is that a lot of people are going to talk about, you know, we lost a, a big piece on defense and Tyree Wilson, top 10 draft pick, one of the best you know, or most talented, I would say, raw talented players, defensive players in Texas Tech history, in my opinion. Um, so we lose him. But oddly enough, the D-line might have gotten better as a unit losing him, right? You lose to Roger Thompson, a guy that's been your running back for a long time. It's been kind of there in the backfield. But the running backs aren't really going to take a step back when you lose to Ronnie Thompson. So, like, there's no unit that got worse from an eight-win team, right? It's the same reason why people look at, like, Texas, for example, and see a team that also had a, a fairly similar season as far as also going eight wins and also bringing everybody back, including a talented quarterback, and everyone kind of labeling them and saying, well, then they should also take that next jump. It's kind of very – Kansas is another great example. Kansas, you win six games, you bring everybody back, including an injured quarterback that showed potential and showed what he can do, and, and so you're saying, well, Kansas should be better, right? And so it's, that's where I think that a lot of that dark horse things comes from is because if – if and, and I mentioned this the other day, um, just casually, but if you took away the name Texas Tech and just said you had an eight-win team that won four straight games last year that's bringing back over 75% of their production – or of the, the play starters from the bowl game – um, including their starting quarterback, including their one of their star receivers, including um, they have a star defensive tackle. They have, you know, uh, their, their safety that's been a two-year starter. They're bringing all those guys back, and you didn't. And instead of Texas Tech, that name was Michigan State or Florida State or Oklahoma State or something, something to that effect, Virginia Tech. You would say, oh, that's a, you know, top 15 team. Right then, it's, it's when you put Texas Tech on there, you're like, oh, hold on, pump the brakes. So I think that's really where um, that that kind of that dark horse thing is 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 from, and especially in the Big Twelve, there's always some team that comes out of nowhere. I mean, last year, 
admittedly, I, I gotta, I gotta kind of put myself there. I thought TCU would be the wor- one of the worst teams in the conference. I really. Oh yeah, did. me too. Like and I was, TCU, I was chalking them up as a fairly easy win for the Jayhawks, like yeah. early to be, you know, to pad their resume to be able to get to a bowl game, and then man, that, and then they showed yeah. out. Gosh. The year before, I thought Baylor would be one of the worst teams in the conference, and they showed out. So like it's. It's there's always a team out of nowhere that you're like, okay, well, they're not. So, what I'm hearing is, I'll be you think that Kansas is going to be one of the worst teams in the conference this year, right? (laughs) Unfortunately, I do not. Sorry about you, Andy. I I do not. Come on, throw me a bone here. (laughs) Watch it be Iowa State. Watch they just go on. Oh, gosh, no. I would never live it down if (laughs) Iowa State, because what that would mean is, and like, I'm planning on going up to the Iowa State game and covering it up the you know, this year. That would mean if they're going to go to the Big 12 Championship, they're going to win that game, and they're probably going to have to win it fairly convincingly because things are going to have to have turned around at that point. I do not want to go up there for another shellacking up in Ames. I don't think it's going to happen this year, but no. But, Iowa State, no. I, I can't handle Iowa State getting a miraculous turnaround to go to the Big 12 Championship game. Sorry. No, actually, if, we, if, we, if we're following the trend of new, new coaches that nobody has any expectations for toward the bottom of the conference, it would be Cincinnati, actually. That would be the cut team that goes on a random run nobody expects them to be any good the, mo- the majority of their team is not coming back i think no, they- no 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 no. it's someone in that you know seven to ten range um normally like normally if you well, if, if you think oh, about well, it because we usually have 10 teams well right right yeah. no no but no 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 it's uh, i mean it's it's the last few years it's been like someone who was ranked sixth or seventh or eighth like in yeah, the preseason true. poll so so like that's if you Kansas. if you get to the that's, same right Kansas. exactly exactly Kansas going to the Big Twelve Championship but they usually have to have first. a fairly new coach because Dave Aranda was a thing in the second year. Um, I mean, Dykes was in Leipold got year. a new contract and a new stadium coming. So you know, <laughs> I mean, he's in his third year, I guess. We say that's yeah, not I mean, true. He's fairly new. <laughs> <laughs> McGuire's in his second year. Though. Exactly, you know, exactly. We're, so we're fifth. Texas we're, Tech, we're, Texas we're, Tech, we're, Kansas Big Twelve Championship game. There we go. I'm all for it. I like it. Let's do it. Let's do it. For a spot in the CFP, right? That's both right. teams, both teams going to be. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It'll be a a 12 and 0 Kansas versus an 11 and 1 Texas Tech in the Big 12 Championship game for a spot in the CFP. Yeah. Well, here's the problem: is, is that or or I, I mean, I guess he could you know split. You know, we, if either of us have one loss, we're not getting in there. <laughs> that's a, that's that's the issue. One loss teams can only get in there if you're in the SEC or Big Ten. Well, that's why I said 12 and 0 Kansas. So. Yeah. <laughs> See what you did there. Yeah. TC, TC just got lucky because there was nobody else. They wanted to put somebody else in there. And oh my like, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh boy. All right. So, I mean, yeah, I think it's fair to say that expectations are raised for both of these teams, but Texas Tech, I, I mean, it's one of those, I can see it. And if you're looking for a team, like when you're, when you're looking for a dark horse team, you look for a team that improved at the end of the last season that has a decent amount of talent is typically returning quite a bit and does not have significant changes in their scheming. Like they can hit the ground running pretty quick. Um, Texas tech, I think, you know, fits that bill. Kansas fits that bill. If they can, you know, get the defense to get better. But, you know, I do want to talk specifically about Texas tech's defense. Cause I think if, if anyone were to look at Texas tech, like we're so used to defense being the Achilles heel for this Texas tech team. And, I don't know that it's fair to say it was last year, but I, I think coming into the year, it seems like most people and most Texas Tech fans that I know are more confident in what the offense can do than what the defense can do. So looking at that defensive side of the ball, like what is it What is it about the defense, about the new players or new coaches or new whatever that gives you confidence that this defense can be significantly better this year? Yeah, I mean, the defense is never going to be a top 20 defense. Like, it's just not, not the way that's going to that's gonna be. I do think that because of, 
you know, the type of offense we employ, the defense is usually going to give up a little bit more yards because they're going to be on the field a little bit. You know, the offense is going to try to do be quick. I mean, McGuire is a little bit better than Kingsbury was um, when it comes to just scoring as fast as humanly possible, right? He, he kind of takes his time a little bit more, but all those, you know, all those fourth down conversions, as great as they are, one thing you don't think about is the times we don't get them. And anytime we don't get them, the defense is back on the field. So I do think some of the stats that's negatively skewed against the defense, the defense isn't as bad a lot of, as, the, as the stats showed last year. That being said, they still weren't great, right? Like they still weren't, you know, one of the, the, the I wouldn't even, I probably wouldn't even put us at the top half of the conference last year. Um, I do think this year, we can be in the top half of the conference. And a big reason why is because we have a lot of veteran Our secondary is stacked with veteran leadership, as is our D-line. Like, that's those, those both of those right now. Uh, Jalen Hutchins, I believe, is, is one of the best D-tackles in the entire conference. Uh, he's a guy that's been looking to get drafted this year. Uh, we've we've coined the phrase, the law firm, with Jalen Hutchins and Tony Bradford, law firm of, of Bradford and Hutchins. Um, and they, this is their third year together as that tandem, right? Like a few years ago, before we employed that kind of that three four, and they would a lot of the times they would sub in and out. Bradford a lot of times would line up at an end just so they could both be together. Now, when we're having this four three and this multi defensive set, um, having both of them there creates a force, a force right there that's written really good. And then when we had Tyree Wilson last year, it was it really created a lot of pressure. But both of those guys are really good in run defense. I think a big question mark when it comes to the D line, or at least for other people, not necessarily for me, but for a lot of people is the DMs, right? Because we did lose Tyree Wilson. We, and we actually technically also lost our other end there. Um, but I, I actually believe that our, like I said, our D line as a whole got better because the law firm is still here, but also Steve Linton, uh, the grad or the transfer from Syracuse, nothing but great things. This is a guy who's tall, lanky, fast, fast off the edge. He's going to be in a wide nine set. If he's in a wide nine set and your left tackle is not fast enough to get him, He's the quarterback already, right? I'm hearing nothing but fantastic things. I think that other side is where you know, there's going to be questions of who necessarily is going to be there. I think Miles Cole, with his veteran experience, is going to get a lot of chance, but he's also a big boy there, and that's going to be able to get to the quarterback as well. Uh, but Miles Cole, he's a guy that's big enough to play DT, play D-end, or, play, or fast enough to play linebacker, right? And then not only that, but Joe Adedire, who got a lot of playing time towards the end of the year, especially with Tyree Wilson not being in the bowl game, He's going to be there for depth. So I think one thing that we have this year that we necessarily have last year on the D-line is that depth with Joe Edidire, Imari and Banks, um, Quincy Lede, another transfer here. I think when it comes to the secondary, it's almost – the secondary is very interesting because the starters, Rayshad Wilson and Malik Dunlap is – I don't want to necessarily say, necessarily say this, but I do kind of believe it. They may be the best cornerback duo we've had, again, since the Ruffin Neal DC days. Right. So since Leach was there like that, that duo last year, you know, you put Rashad Williams tape on and a lot of uh, OCs were like, okay, we don't want to attack that side. Like Rashad Williams is actually a good corner in Texas Tech. Let's try to attack Malik Dunlap. Let's try to attack the other corner. And Malik Dunlap really had to prove himself. He was getting picked on. And sometimes it would work. Sometimes it wouldn't. But because as the year went on, you pick on him enough. He's talented. It's like, okay, well, I'm just going to get better. And he got yeah. better as the year went on. And so now you've got two corners that can both handle their own. You can't just pick on Malik Dunlap. You're going to have to go to Rashad Williams, who's a guy that I think is going to play on Sundays. And so both of those guys can hold their own there. And then you have a ball hawk in the Adrian Taylor Demerson, a.k.a. the Rabbit. But the problem, I think, with the secondary, not to mention Tyler Owens was a former Texas transfer, but a strong safety. But the problem I have with the secondary is there's not a lot of depth. 
if any of those guys go down, there's where you have a guy like Marion Horn. Marion Horn was a former four-star recruit. Uh, he's going to be a retro freshman this year. The coaching staff's really high on him, but he's young, right? Like he's there's a big question of that. Chapman Lewis is another guy, true freshman. He's supposed to get a lot of playing time this year as well off the bench, but it's it's this just very thin secondary to where last year. Maybe not. Maybe you, you still had Rayshard Williams. Don't have, we still had the rabbit, but we had a lot of depth. I mean, Tyler Owens didn't get as much playing time, even though he was this star Texas transfer, because we just had so much people in the secondary. It's where this year it's just a lot thinner. So if this secondary can stay healthy, absolutely happy about it. If they cannot, then we may start seeing some some holes, a lot more holes. I think the biggest question mark on defense, though, is the group I haven't talked about. <laughs> I wonder why. No. Well, really quick though, to, to I mean to, to talk about defensive line and then and then the cornerback situation. Like defensive line is one of those things where, you know, there's a ton of teams that feel like they have good defensive lines in the Big Twelve. The problem has always been is that there's also a lot of really good offensive lines in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Um and so I, I do think that the Big Twelve gets unfairly maligned defensive line wise because you have offensive linemen who are just really good at what they do. And so it makes it very difficult, I think, for those guys to stand out. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think Texas Tech has some some really good ones. I will. Well, so I do. I do think that one of the biggest things with Big Twelve uh, D lines is that oh, there's a lot of good ends, but the reason why O lines always are very successful, especially in the run game recently, is because there's not as many good interior linemen, in my opinion, in the conference. That's fair. And that's why I think Tech really is different this year. At least is different because, like I said, Bradford Hutchins coming into this year. Yeah, screw it. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna be a. I'm gonna be a take master. Might be the best uh, interior duo in the conference. Like Bradford and Hutchins, they're both three year starters. Both can get after it. Um, you may bring up a name that I'm like, ah, never mind. But as far as I'm concerned right now, Bradford and Hutchins is the best interior duo, and so I think that's really what changes this D line as opposed to the others, and it's gonna really be a problem because if you go off and you're playing, you know, Iowa State one week. And you're like, okay, well, we can handle this. And then the next week you play in Texas Tech, might be a little bit of more of an issue, especially interior on the interior. Yeah, I, I just, I just think that it's, it's difficult to really know what you have on the interior, especially just because there are teams that do a lot of different, a lot of different things that really try to avoid. I mean, yes, Kansas, I think, is probably the only team in the conference that always looks to go outside. But for the most part, like, there's always a bunch of off tackle to try to avoid the middle of, of lines. And when you find one of those holes, you don't always know that you're going to find it. Uh, like you, that, that you're going to find that weakness there and be able to take advantage of it. But defensive secondary, I think kind of to your point, Kansas last year played with a very thin defensive secondary. Um, they're honestly like, they have a little bit more depth this year, but I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm just concerned about the depth, but you know, they also are a team that showed that they can play and they can have guys that, are out there for, you know, a thousand snaps on, on defense for the year. I don't know, like you said, Texas Tech had so much. Like, to me, the the Texas Tech secondary from last year was a lot like the Kansas defensive line, where they had nine or ten bodies that they would rotate in and out the entire yeah. game. And you get to the end of the game, and they looked phenomenal compared to the other team because, for the most yeah. part, you know, they were fresh. They did they weren't tired out from playing the entire game. And, and Texas Tech's secondary felt like that to me a lot especially late in the season where they just had guys that didn't have all those snaps on them and so they were able to play really well especially at the end of the year the question is going to be are they going to be able to do something similar like that are you know are those top end guys going to stay top end guys when they're having to double the amount of snaps that they play over the course of the year so that is i mean i will say luckily in the secondary there's a lot of talented talented young secondary guys 
but they're young. Jordan Sanford, right. Captain Lewis, Marion Horn. Like these are Jalen people. These are high three-star, four-star type of players that are all really good, but they're all 18, 19. So like, you don't really know, you know, and, and it's easy to say they're going to get snaps early on and hopefully grow as the year goes on. But at the same time, you know, if you're in the trenches and you're in a tough game and it's, it's tied 31, 31 against Kansas, are you going to trust, uh, Chapman Lewis, the 18 year old to go in Probably and make a play, or are you going to say, Hey rabbit, just, just especially, stay out there. especially <laughs> against uh, Jalen Daniels. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, no, but it's also one of those where, you know, there's so many players now that are that talented that feel like they should be able to get some. And of course, being able to play four games before you red shirt, you know, coaches will space yeah. that out. So you'll have a couple yeah. young guys that get to play a bunch early and then a bunch of them that play at the end of the year. And, and unfortunately those are the guys that probably get their minutes cut the most because you get in those situations where you're pushing for a bowl game or you're pushing for, you know, a chance to stay in a conference race. And so you don't go to those backups. You don't give them the minutes that you would normally expect. But I do think that this being at the end of the year, it will be, it will be interesting. I think to see how well Texas tech is able to develop the defense over the course of the year. So, okay. I I was able to delay you ripping the bandaid off a little bit, uh, you know, but let's, let's go ahead and talk about those linebackers. Cause it wasn't very long ago that, Linebacker used to be like the strength of this defense. Like you would talk about how good the linebackers were at tech. So what one, what happened? And two, who are the guys that you're expecting to step up? And you know, if they're, if the unit is going to be good this year, who has to do it? Oh, I mean, what happened is they graduated. <laughs> That's our, our linebackers. When you have, you know, three linebackers, there were three of some of the, the best linebackers that we had seen um, recently in, in, in Texas Tech recent memory. And they all they all graduated. Like that's that's really the thing. And and you know it's it's uh, uh, talking about like Rashawn Merriweather, Rico Jeffers. I mean, Colin Schooler was like the active leader in tackles. Um, and and, and he spent his last two years at Texas Tech. Um, and right now, by the way, right now he's killing it. I think it's the USFL where he's just balling out. But um, so yeah, they all graduated. And so that's really been the problem. Is and even guys that stepped up like Brandon Boyer, Randall, and Jacob Morganson, like these are guys I didn't expect. They all graduated. So, and there really just hasn't been the level to, to step up. I do think Josiah Pierre, um, who played a lot of e- off the edge last year, uh, is going to step more into that weak backer role a little bit, and, or will will linebacker role a little bit more, and 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 play not necessarily the like he like kind of like what I was talking about with Steve Linton's going to do. That's really what we saw Pierre do last year. He's going to be more of a, a traditional linebacker this year. So I'm very curious to see how that works. But it's not great when your Mike or the guy that's supposed to like really quarterback the defense was a former quarterback at Virginia. <laughs> like Jacob I mean, Rodriguez. I mean, is, you need a guy a to, boy. you need a guy to quarterback the defense. So, you know, yeah, I, I guess that's a great thing, but <laughs> like, I mean, you know, I think that only really so far, the only time I've seen that really work is at Iowa state, but who knows, you know, maybe, maybe it'll work this year too. But um, this is just not a lot of faith. I think in the defense, I, I do have a, you know, I know the coaching staff's really high on their star position, and the guy that earned the star position this year, CJ Baskerville, or Baskerville, sorry, um, another transfer there. Um, but it's, it's, you know, he's gonna have to show me before I really believe it. This is this linebacker crew was kind of a weakness last year, in my opinion, and nothing really has come from this group to make me feel like it's gonna be much better. Um, but I will say that being said, you know, we're talking about depth, not too much of a difference between the backups and the starters. I mean, Tariq Matthews probably has the most experience out of anybody in this lineup. And I think he's going to be rotating quite a bit with Jacob Rodriguez. Um, Ty Kenna, young guy, but uh, he was one of the guys showing, he was one of the guys showing leadership last year as a true freshman. Um, I think he's going to be rotating in quite a bit as well. Um, And so it'll be, I think when it comes to depth, 
you know, it's one of those things. A lot of times, you sometimes you just have depth because your top end isn't that great. And I think that's kind of why I look at it with a linebacker crew the group is that though our starters, I you know, I'm not too confident in, but the backups may just be as good as the starters. So I think we can, you're not going to have too much of a drop off there. Yeah, which is both the blessing and curse, right? Like if you, yeah, like you kind of want to have that drop off so that you have like the unit that you can send in when you really need something and, you know, you can start the game off strong and everything, but then again, there's also a benefit to not having a huge, like Kansas fans are so used to having start, you know, frontline starters that could keep up, that could play in the Big 12, and then they get tired, and then you bring in the guys that are probably lucky to be walk-ons anywhere else in the conference, and, you know, just being brutally honest about how bad some of the Kansas depth has been in the last decade and a half. Um, But, like, last year, I think we also saw that kind of be an issue for the defensive line, right? When teams were able to go into the hurry-up, were able to find ways to keep guys on the field, and you weren't able to use that depth and use those rotations to keep people fresh. Like that would probably be something I'd be worried about from the way that you're describing the linebacker core there. Mm -hmm. The real question is just going to be, are they going to be able to get guys in in and out fast enough? Now that's a lot easier to do with linebackers than it is with defensive linemen, because I mean, defense and linemen are usually pretty chunky boys that aren't, you know, that quick getting on and off the field. So um, you, you got to wait till the offense does it with D line. I mean, with D line, you just got to right. exactly, and see, and exactly. Whereas, whereas linebackers are typically like you can you can be ready to run guys off and on. You know, they're typically a little bit yeah. faster. It, you can actually handle that. So that would. I don't know that I'm as worried about a team going hurry up like Oklahoma or Baylor did to the Jayhawks last year, but you know, it's it's also one of those things like you look at all the holes that they have right now, and I mean, you know, we've got nine games before these two teams play, so. You guys could have tons of hiccups early in the year and then be absolutely balling late in the year, and then Kansas has to deal with that. So I'm hoping that's not the case. But I do want to switch over to the offense. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We will be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. The Rock Chalk Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle is a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. They want you to be the best-dressed fan this season, so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today and show off your school spirit all season long. They have over 30 different schools to choose from, including the Kansas Jayhawks. They have a fantastic Jalen Daniels shirt that came out at the beginning of this year, and they have a whole bunch of other fantastic KU stuff. If you're a K-State fan or you have a K-State fan in your family, they have that stuff too. They have a bunch of different schools with some fantastic apparel. If you use promo code 101215, that is the word T-E-N-1215, that will get you 15% off of all items that are not on sale. It's a fantastic deal. Head on over to charliehustle.com and make sure you pick up your stuff today. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. I am here with Mr. the one and only Mr. Albie Shore, otherwise known as uh, your boy Albie. Uh, because I went on his podcast and I was a little, it, it's a lot different, I think, than the last time I was on there, which isn't a bad thing. But talking about Texas Tech, of course, because he is the Texas Tech guy that comes on our podcast all the time. Um, looking at this offense, because, you know, again, it's kind of a running meme that Texas Tech can't keep a quarterback on the field. Um, but, you know, they have Tyler Shuck coming back this year after being injured the last couple of years. You have... Um, you know, Donovan Smith left, uh, you know, transferred away. And so you don't have him as the backup. Baron Morton, you know, stepped in admirably, I think, in a, in a couple games last year and played fairly well. So w- what does that look like, the, the quarterback situation? What are the thoughts there? And how much of an impact do you think quarterback play itself is going to have on how successful the Texas Tech offense is? Oh, I mean, it's, it's going to be everything. But I do think it, here's the thing. You're right. We cannot get a quarterback stay healthy to save our lives. The last quarterback that actually played every game was Nick Shimanek. So for people that don't know who Nick Shimanek is, he's the guy that replaced Mahomes. So Mahomes was done. Those are the last two quarterbacks that have a full year. Oh my Mahomes gosh. and then Nick Shimanek was a year after. And we have not had a healthy quarterback play for the entire season since then. And actually Nick Shimanek got benched <laughs> the game before. Now, now granted <laughs> last year, I don't think a single team in the big 12 actually played their starting quarterback That's fair. every single year game so no that's like, fair and, that, was, leveled, and that's why we had a good season because it leveled the playing field right so <laughs> you know what way. you're saying so, is that everybody else caught the texas tech bug and had quarterback that, issues last year <laughs> basically basically i mean that's the that's the part because even baron morton right baron morton finally gets his opportunity finally gets his chance and is torching oklahoma state right torching oklahoma, oklahoma state in Stillwater, everybody's like, man, he's he's it. It's it's the bear raid. We're having fun. It's a great time. And then, of course, he gets hurt. And then, of course, we lose the game almost. And I'm not going to be a Texas fan and say, like, oh, we could have won. But, you know, it, it definitely that shifted everything when it comes in that game. And so it's almost like every time we had a player that was really showing promise, they ended up getting hurt. But like I said earlier, Tyler Shucks, I think, last couple games, because the Iowa State game was awful, but it was also rainy, and it's Iowa, and that whole thing. But his last two games against Oklahoma and against against Ole Miss, he really showed his capability. And I, I know the big thing is, is that, well, if, if Shuck can't, you know, Shuck can't stay healthy, and if he doesn't stay healthy, Chuck's not going to be, not going to have a good season. Um, I actually do push back on that a little bit because, and I've made this statement on our podcast, and I'm going to make it again, and I know you're going to disagree. Uh, Texas Tech has the best backup quarterback in the conference. And, oh, oh I, uh, I yes, completely disagree with that. But okay, go yeah, ahead. I know you're going to disagree because yeah. I do think I do think there's only one other guy that I think has a true argument, or two other guys I think have a true argument against it. And so I, I understand you did. So you disagreeing? I don't. I, it's you actually have a, a argument against right. me, but I do think 
I do think that uh, Texas has the best backup quarterback in the conference. I'm going to say it again. I don't care. All right. Uh, and Baron Morton. I think Baron Morton is the, is, or at the very least, the most talented backup quarterback in the conference. He so might Baron, have the highest I ceiling, if, I think. It's it's fair to say. That's a, that's a good thing. Okay, but, I'll take that. But, take yeah, that. I think – I do I think, think so if, if Shuck if Shuck was to go down, I don't think it's as much of a drop-off as people have made it, right? If Shuck was to go down, I do think Baron Morton can fill the role, can keep the offense going. Where I get scared if what happened last year where Shuck goes down and Baron Morton goes down. And that's where I'm that's where I'm looking at like, ah, because let me tell you. Well, and, and kind of to that quarterback. Kind of, kind of to that point though, because it seems like the offensive line for Texas Tech has been I think the, the nicest way to say it is a little bit subpar. Um, at protecting the quarterback. And I don't know how much of that, though, is... I mean, I don't know how much of that is the offensive line just being absolutely atrocious or how much it is, like, quarterbacks putting themselves in bad situations, um, you know. And, I mean, I, I also know that with, uh, you know, with the tendency of Joey McGuire to go for it, like, uh, you know, I mean, because they went for it on fourth. Gosh, how many times last year? It was a lot. Oh, uh, we, we led the nation. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but, I mean, those typically are plays that end up becoming broken plays where your quarterback gets, you know, in a lot of risk to get hit. Um, at least yeah, at least at a higher rate than normal plays that you would have. And so I, I do think that there was some – it's a combination of scheming and offensive line play, and I think quarterbacks not necessarily protecting themselves. I mean, how much of that, though, is – offensive line worries and if so how much has changed on the offensive line to help counteract that yeah but at the same time like in 2020 we had a, actually a pretty good offense both 2019 and 2020 had actually pretty good offensive line and we still had like 2020 we had a pretty good offensive line two of the guys that were on that offensive line now are, are playing on Sundays and uh we still ended up only winning four games that season we still ended, had a, a, a quarterback that still got hurt uh that year and so like it still didn't and, and, and Alan Bowman, Brad Henry. Cumbie, I was just saying, uh, but that's Alan. But that's Alan Bowman. And, like, I mean, well, so that's that's kind of my that's kind of my point though, because he yeah. was reckless, and and so it's a it's a thing where, and even Baron Moore when he got hurt in the Oklahoma State game, he was kind of the one wild. So it's a little column A, a little column B. Tyler Shuck, I do one thing I do like about Tyler Shuck, and maybe it's because the fact that he knows he's a little bit prone to injuries, is he does take care of himself, right? So we don't necessarily have what Pat Pat Mahomes used to do. Or what, you know, like I said, Alan Bowman does where they're just kind of running like a chicken with their heads cut off. Right. Tyler Shuck very much will sit in the pocket. Well, he he is more mobile than you think, but he doesn't look it because he doesn't really play it unless you need him unless he needs to. Right. So I don't he's not really gonna put himself in harm's way as much, um, which is what was so disappointing about him getting hurt so much early in the season. But um, so that's I so it's I do think this offensive line will be better this year than it was last year. So I think last year's offensive line was lacking. And I said, and I, that was the week, the, the biggest scare I had coming into last year was that I wasn't a big fan of the offensive line. Um, but the most of the majority of the offensive line is coming back this year. So that doesn't make me feel a little bit better. And we get rusty stats um, as the new center. I think that was a really big weak spot last year. He's now coming in. He's a transfer from Western Kentucky. Uh, very familiar with, with Zach Kittley's offense. Um, and the wide the wide split offense there, so he kind of know he, he a seamless transition, easy to kind of come in there and and work there. Caleb Rogers, I think, is due for a very big year as well over the right tackle spot. He's been really good there. I think our O line is is actually at a really good spot. The biggest problem with the O line is again we're thin, right? Last year I mentioned that the fact that the O line was a weak spot, but I, I I think I think it was on this pod saying that we got we're weak. We got two really really good guys. Guess what, Andy? 
both guys got hurt early, early in the season. Yep. <laughs> That's what happens so when you call out the good guys, right? Like, it's like a, yeah. these are the guys that we can't afford to go down. And, you know, good old, good down. old Murphy and, starts laughing. Well, I do think that this uh, this O line is a little bit deeper than it was last year, but that's not saying much. I mean, that's, we I thought we had four starting quality offensive linemen to begin the year, and it went down to two within three weeks, right? And so now I would take that number from four to maybe six or seven, or maybe not six or seven, four to five, with a couple ones that I don't feel too bad. Like if if Landon Peterson comes in as a starter, uh, it has to come in. I don't feel too bad about it, right? If if uh, um. Uh, uh, Jacoby Jackson comes in as a, as a player. I, I won't, I won't be like, you know, crossing my heart about that. Right. But it's, it's, so it's a little bit different than last year, but still, I don't, I won't feel great about it. I think they're starting five with Monroe Mills, Cole Spencer, Rusty Stats, Dennis Wilburn, and Caleb Rogers can play the majority of the season. Then I actually think that Tyler Shuck will have a healthy year if that's the case. If we have a situation where we're not playing, uh, Daniel Sill, then God bless us all. Not that Daniel Sill's not good. He's 18. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, I, I think that about covers it for that portion. I, I do. I am curious though about the skill position players. Cause like you said, Sriracha Thompson is gone. Um, you know, Tyler Shuck was one of the leading rushers for last season, um, which is kind of scary to think about. He's the third leading rusher <laughs> for Texas tech last year. Um, and, and, to your point, like, yeah, he has that ability to do it, but if he doesn't look to do it, you would not expect him to be, um, you know, one of the leaders. I mean, he he only had 269 yards worth of rushing offense, um, not nearly as much as some of the other quarterbacks in the conference that like to run quite often. So what is the thought, you know, like Taj Brooks led the team with just under 700 yards last year, but the only other player that was even close to him was Siraj Thompson, who's no longer there. Um, who are the guys that you expect to kind of step in and keep that? Like, cause, cause you talked about how the room didn't get significantly worse, but yeah. I also don't know that there was anybody who was particularly battle tested that you, you know, that outside people would know are like, Hey, this guy's going to step up. So, so who are the guys running back wise that you're expecting to step up? And then of course we can also talk about wide receivers here because Texas tech is known as, you know, wide receiver you for the longest time. Um, and I'm, I'm a little curious, like I look at the names of people that they have here. Um, well, actually, sorry, I was looking at the stats from last year, not the actual roster from this year, but regardless, I think either way, it's kind of, uh, I don't think that there's as many names that jump out to me as like, oh yeah, I know who that guy is. Cause he played really well last year or, you know, he plays really well in general. Like, uh, yes, Miles Price, like is you know, name that jumps out. But other than that, like I look at the rest of this wide receiving room and I'm a little curious who those guys are that are going to step up. You're you're missing the the, the key guy. So I I think Texas Tech every about, let's say two, three years has a guy that's just, you know, the guy, right? You have a Kiki Kuti, you have Eric Azukanma, you know, Detron Lewis. You have a guy that's just like, oh man, TJ Basher, guy that's just like, oh man, he's the guy. He's the Texas Tech receiver. Uh, and I, we have that again. That's Duran Bradley. Duran Bradley was preseason all Big Twelve, and he's going to be that that key kind of star receiver that I think all, all DCs are going to circle and say, "Hey, we got to make sure we have one over the top on this guy right here." Right. And I think because of that, it's going to lead way lead way to a lot of our other star skill position players. I mean, you mentioned um, Sir Roger Thompson leaving. Luckily for the skill position players, he's the only one that left. Everybody else played last year. 
was able to get those stats last year as a year older. I actually expected a really big year, and I, this is the third year I'm saying this, so eventually I'll be right. Uh, but it's Loic Fungi, right? Um, so Loic, four a four star player, right? He was the the star of his class. So this was what 2019, 2020, star of his class. Very excited for him. And it's just taken him a while to to show out and show that he's the guy. I was well, going to say, just, I, I remember legitimate. you talking about Fungi last year in this preview. So. Yeah. No, every year I've been saying, oh, <laughs> this is the third year in a row. I'm saying, I'm, I'm ready. He's coming. Right. And and last year, he showed flashes. Last year, he showed flashes of what he could be. He had a couple times, especially over the top. He's very fast. Right. And he showed flashes of, especially at the deep ball reception, what he can be. And so I think if you have a situation where Bradley's on one side and you have that over the top help on Bradley and you miss out on Fungi, he can burn most corners on, on, on a, on a, out, a deep route, on an out route. Um, so I'm, this is the I, I third time to charm. I got to be right now. Right. I do think Fungi's due for due. I think he's due. He started coming on, especially towards the end of the season, started really getting accustomed to Kitley's offense towards the end of the season. And I think we're going to pass the ball a little bit more. I mean, the scheme already opens up for a passing offense. I think that's the reason why we you saw both of our starters combine for the only, only really 1,400 yards rushing because we're, we're a passing team. We're kind of going back to that spread op- that spread offense, that, that passing offense. I was a little worried that Zach Kittley would do it a little too much. I think last year kind of showed that, you know, he, he saw the skill at running back position in Todd Brooks and Roger Thompson. So he said, I'm going to run it. But I do like to pass, and I'm going to pass it if I can, um, especially whenever Baron Morton or Tyler Shuck was the quarterback. I think he ran a little bit more when Donovan Smith was there. But, but um, you know, so I think we're going to actually pass the ball quite a bit. But I, because when it comes to our skill position players in Miles Price and Fungi and Bra- Duran Bradley, J.J. Sparkman, who's a very talented guy, Xavier White, who's been here for 35 years, um, Nehemiah Martinez, who kind of shot out of the cannon last year as well, you know, I think there's a, a, a chance to really spread the ball around. And, and I'm saying all those receivers, and I haven't even talked about the tight ends, which Texas Tech and tight ends don't usually mix. Yeah, I, I was, was going to ask about that. because. <laughs> so I will say this, actually, and I, I was about to say Joey McGuire, but I I will give a shout out to Matthew Wells. All right, Matt Wells had an idea, and he said, I want tight ends at Texas Tech. And it's taken a while to get here. And then when Joey McGuire came on, he said, hey, tight ends, I like that. All right. I also want tight ends at Texas Tech. And so now we have really three tight ends in, in Mason Fart, Baylor Cup, Henry T, that all three of them played last year. All three of them will continue play this year. And all three of them are reliable people. Henry T was not expected to catch passes last year. And guess what? He caught passes. And he actually, you know, he, he, as, a, as a blocking tight end, right, did much better than anyone expected him to do and even caught a touchdown. Right. So I think coming into this year, you're looking at Henry Teton and say, okay, well, all three of them do. Mason Tharp is about seven foot five, you know, exact measurements. Yeah, seven, I, I, seven I will go ask inches. about because so, tight end wise, it doesn't yeah. feel like they're a, a focus in the offense, though, in, in the passing offense. Like, so I'll, they get used I, down in the red zone. I mean, they only caught 30 passes last year between the so three. I'll of say them. this. I think, I think last year you had Baylor Cup and Henry Teton that were blocking tight ends. Mason Farp really struggled early on in the season. Um, and then he started to kind of catch on a little bit more. And he's a guy that really struggled with blocking. So you had two blocking tight ends that couldn't catch, and you had a passing, a catching tight end that couldn't block, right? Um, but again, we're hearing a lot of great things about all of them. I think for Mason Tharp, this is now year three at, at Tech, year two under the offense. It's kind of the idea that this is time for you to catch on. I know NFL scouts were looking at Mason Tharp before last year saying, okay, let's see what he can do so we can look at him for the 2024 draft. And he didn't have the type of season he was expecting. 
I think he's now to have that type of season. Baylor Cup or Texas A&M uh, transfer uh, that also, uh, side note, a uh, guy from Baylor who was a Texas A&M transfer is now at Texas Tech. I think that's hilarious. But um, uh, Baylor Cup is another guy that's got that veteran leadership band. So I think we're really going to start seeing tight ends incorporated a lot more in this offense than we saw last year. Uh, but to answer your original question, as far as with the running backs, because I feel like I'm all over the place. Um, uh, so there, it is Taj time, right? Taj, Taj Brooks is, is the starter. And he was the starter last year, to be honest. Um, but I think that it, instead of it being a, a two-back set, we're going to see a lot. We're going to see a lot of Cameron Valdez. Who Cameron Valdez at a high school might have had my favorite running back tape um, I've seen in a in a very long time. Right, Cameron Valdez is he is fast, so so fast, um, so so quick, and so I think you're going to see a lot of Cameron Valdez, especially on the outside, off the tackles. But I also expect to see a lot of Bryson Donnell too. He's a guy that played only sparingly. You know, it was a true freshman season last year. Only got in those four games. But I think we're going to start seeing both a combination of Valdez and Donnell replacing Sir Roger Thompson uh, while Todd Brooks takes the majority of the snaps. And it won't – I'm not necessarily big numbers for any of them because, again, I think it's going to be more of a passing offense. But I do think Todd is at least going to replicate, if not um, uh, uh, replicate the year he had last year. But I think I'm actually expecting for Todd a more efficient season, right? Instead of four yards a carry, getting to five or six yards a carry. Um, and Valdez, I think he's going to be one where you're going to see a, a couple 30-yard runs uh, where he's just blazing by everyone. Yeah, I'm just hoping that they don't come against the Jayhawks. So, um, all right. <laughs> well, so, you know, there's still quite a bit of room, I think, for Texas Tech to get up with the the rest of the Big 12 in terms of top tight end rooms. Um, you know, looking at like Kansas and Baylor and potentially Texas, depending on what you actually think of their tight ends. But, but it will, it does add an extra wrinkle. Tight ends or tight end. I think for Texas is they have a fantastic tight end. Yeah. That's the thing. (laughs) Singular. (laughs) Right. Like they have one that everybody would know, but you know, if you listen to anybody who follows Texas at all, they're like, yeah, our backups are better than your starters. It's like, sure. I'll believe it when I see it. Like, (laughs) I think, I think, honestly, I think, I think there's a really good chance that Kansas and Baylor have, you know, two guys, Mason Fairchild and then Baylor's tight end that are fighting to potentially like could be finalists for the, for the tight end award at the end of the year. Like, I think they're both going to be that good this year. So I I think the the, the thing with ours, right. Baylor cup and Henry Teeter aren't going to wow you. It's really, if Mason Thorpe can learn how to block, (laughs) if he can learn how to block, so he's he can be, be on the field, right? Yeah. So he could be like, just really at that point because it got to a point last year. Mason Darts on the field, oh, they passing. <laughs> like it, it was just oh, they're not even going to try to run the ball. They're going to pass if Mason Darts on the field. He couldn't block, and so it, it, that's really the key there. If he can block, and and you know, and when, again, like when you you're a Chiefs fan, they don't ask Travis Kelsey to just be this dominant blocker. They just need him to block well enough to be on the field. Right. So it's not going to be an automatic now, granted, pass. That's he's, all he's we need pretty, He's block. a pretty good blocker too. He's, yeah, no, he's not. He's not. That's bad. not I'm his. Like that's not his yeah. main role. He just needs exactly. to be able to do it enough to keep people honest. Exactly. When Jimmy Graham was balling for the Saints, they were just like, "Hey, man, can you just like we just need you to put two hands on a player and not not embarrass yourself." That's kind of what I'm looking for, Mason Thorpe. Can you just put two hands on a player so it's not obvious we're going to try to pass the ball when you're on the field? That's all we ask, right? If he can get to that point, I actually think Mason Thorpe can kind of be it can really be a weapon. Right, we're not really going to see Cup or Teeter be a weapon, but the fact that they both have versatility, especially as we saw Teeter catch a couple more passes at the end of the year, but Baylor Cup can actually do both. But I think if you have Tharp, Tharp can be that weapon in the passing game that the other two just can't. All right, so let's go ahead and finish up by taking a look at the schedule. Um, it's not the easiest schedule, uh, especially when you you know you start with a mm-hmm. 
a ranked 15th ranked Oregon, although I don't know if Oregon's going to be as good as people think that they are this year. I'm not sold on a lot of the Pac-12 teams, so we'll have to see. I could easily be wrong, but I just, for whatever reason, I'm not sold on Pac-12 teams for the most part. So, I mean, you go on the road to Wyoming, which is, that's an interesting starting game. Like, is that a, is that a, like, prior coach wanted to get, well, no, because that got scheduled really far out in advance, didn't it? Or, or was this yeah, a replacement? Yeah. Okay. No, no, we've had this game for a while. Was I, this like I've... a two-for-one or something? Or did you guys just decide for some reason you want to go out into the middle of, you know, nowhere to play, <laughs> I want... play a Wyoming team? Well, I think this was a well special. I think this was during his uh, during his administration. Okay, um, that makes sense. And, and it feels so, like yeah. a Wells move. Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> it? <laughs> So I mean, yeah, I mean kinda, you know what's funny about that is that's just anything anytime anything happens like ah, you like, know, yeah well. that's a Wells move I mean come on no oh gosh I mean you know Kansas David Beatty like that's a Beatty thing like anytime <laughs> or I'm sorry no actually it's a that's a Charlie Weiss thing like we oh Weiss, throw, that's what, we throw that's a lot one. of things at Charlie Weiss's feet like Beatty didn't make anything better but Charlie Weiss like made it bad to begin with so yeah anyway. no, the problem is is that our our, our alternatives are. Um, Tuberville, who we just despise, right? We all just despise Tuberville. Um, but it's like, know, cl- you know, Cliff, like you can't really, but, and we, and we you like, really, like, right. We, you can't really trash yeah. Cliff because he, people still like him. <laughs> yeah. We, we like Cliff, even though he, he sucked. He was, I would argue he was not even worse than Wells, but, um, we, we, uh, That's a hot we, but we do, yeah, I, I, let's we, anyway, <laughs> but, um, uh, or at least just as bad. Um, but, uh, but we like Clint. We like so yeah. So you know, so that non-conference, um, you know, at Wyoming, Oregon, and Tarleton State, like it feels like a pretty good warm up for a team that thinks that they're going to be you know competitive this year with a with a challenge. Like if if Texas Tech has designs on potentially winning the Big Twelve and you know at least being in the conversation for a for a you know a potential spot in the CFP and all, all of this stuff, like. Yeah, you got to win that game against Oregon. You got to have that game against Oregon on the schedule. So, yeah. I, I do wonder though, d- does this feel like it's a three and zero to start team, or are there enough questions that they kind of need to get, you know, up and running before you think that they could compete with a team like Oregon? No, I actually think it's going to be a very good game against Oregon. If it was in Eugene, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say this is a win. Uh, it being in Lubbock is definitely a game changer, um, and. This is this is a tough one because I think everybody is who's a Texas Tech fan knows that's going to be the one that decides just how good this team is. I'm not saying that if we lose to, to Oregon, that's not going to be the end of the season. That's not going to be something that's just going to drastically change everything, um, right? We're still going to be able to trek ahead. I was I was reading an ESPN article today that actually had Texas Tech with a, a ten and three record, nine and two in conference, which means they think we're going to lose the Oregon game. Um, so it's it's not going to be the end of the world if we lose to Oregon, but I do think beating Oregon puts everybody on notice, right? Like I think beating Oregon, all of a sudden you're you're vaulted. I, I made a mention before uh, somewhere else that I think if Texas was to beat Alabama, they're I think they're right now like top fifteen, but they vault up to top five, maybe even top three. Like it's the, people are going to want to anoint Texas as back oh, yeah. if they beat Oklahoma or beat Alabama. Sorry. Uh, if Texas Tech beats Oregon, it, it's kind of not all the way up to top five, but definitely top fifteen, maybe even maybe even close to that ten range. If you beat Oregon, right, that puts the conference and even the nation on notice of okay, Texas Tech actually might be good this year because most people look at Oregon and say they should be good. Right, yeah. Bo Nix has has you know banners up in New York now for some in Chicago for some weird reason, uh, or Dallas actually, Dallas and New York. 
But uh, like people are looking at Oregon and saying that team should be good, right? And if they come to Texas Tech and lose, excuse me, that won't be a situation where you're saying, oh, well, you know, Oregon dropped one. That would legitimately be a game where you say, man, Texas Tech played really well. So that game is really big. Not, I mean, really big when it comes for Texas Tech as far as truly seeing or have we arrived? Like, is it, are we ready to do this? And during the Wells era and the Tuberville era and the Kingsbury era, I would say there's no way we're going to win this game because we're not like, there was just any, anything that can go wrong in a game like this would go wrong. Right. Um, We had games last year. We should have lost. We had games last year that I'm like, well, you know, we're not going to beat Houston. We're not going to beat Oklahoma, that that was the game where honestly Oklahoma was the game I truly became a believer in Jordan McCoy. I was one of the last of the party for Texas Tech fans. All right, Texas Tech fans, he, he a lot of people fell in love with him immediately. Better late than never. The last ones to the party. Oklahoma game, that was the game I was like, oh, this is different because we had no business winning that game. Early on, Oklahoma punched us in the mouth. They were up, and most of the Texas Tech team in the past decade folded after being punched in the mouth in the first quarter like that. Not only did we not fold, we bounced right back up took the lead and led for a good amount of the second half, right? And so that's really where I said, oh, that this is, yeah, this is different. And so now I, you look in this Oregon game and say, when we scheduled it, I said, why the hell we scheduled that Oregon? We are a one and one. I just want two losses and I'm kind of like that, right? That was my first thought. But like now, as we're in 2023, I look at a game and I say, if Tech can pull it off, we're putting it on notice. But flip side of that, if we do happen to lose it, it just – you know, I think if we lose right. to Oregon, unless you lose by like title game, in, unless you so lose by like thirty games. points, though, it's a win-win. Like you could, yeah, you, you could know. lose by two scores in a game that you know they pull away at the very end. You know, and I mean, yeah, people are going to basically say, okay, I don't think Texas Tech is quite ready to be, you know, up in that upper echelon. But I don't think a lot of people expected them to be there. Like, but if you win I, I that game, you it's lose, huge. You lose to Oregon. You lose to Oregon, and you're looking at another eight-win season, something yeah. to that effect, right? You win that game, then you're like, well, can this be a double-digit win team? Can we have a situation where they're going to Arlington? Yeah, like, that's that's really what the, the difference in that game is. Um, and so it's very – it's going to be – that game is big for that reason and why it's going to – and Lubbock is, is back. I will say that. That's going to be the game that shows that Lubbock is back. Um, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a night game. I can't imagine it's not going to be a night game going to be a night. I think they've already had, actually had Man, it's going to be awesome because we're going to get to watch um, we're going to get yeah, to watch KU Illinois in primetime on Friday and then Oregon Texas Tech in primetime on Saturday. Week 2 is going to be amazing. Oh, week 2 is going to be freaking awesome. Like I am so yeah, looking forward to that one. So, all right. So, so let's take a look at conference schedule because honestly, I think you guys got a decent draw. It wasn't like a fantastic draw, but it was decent. I mean, well, it was you, average. You start I, 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 you start at West Virginia then play Houston at home. Like those are two games that I think well, are. I think that it's as we talked about before. You have the upper, the, the the upper class, the middle class, and the lower class. And from that, if you take Texas Tech out of it, I would say there's four in the upper class, four in, uh, five in the middle, four in the, in the lower class. And we ended up getting um, three of the four teams in the upper class, uh, four of the five teams in the middle class, and then uh, two of the four teams in the lower class. And not the, am I saying that right? Something like that. Um, but basically not the, not the worst, not the best schedule, but a, a nice, you know, I would say, uh, not wildly difficult, but not, uh, uh, not too easy type of schedule. Man, you know, good to know that, um, you know, you have Texas, Kansas state, Oklahoma, and Kansas up in that upper class. So that's, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Oklahoma. Or did I say Oklahoma? No, no, oh, you didn't. Oklahoma. I was just assuming that was the one you didn't have out of that upper four. So. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, I mean, so, so yeah, it's. I think it starts out fairly well. Like for having two road games early, like going to West Virginia, and sure, going to Baylor isn't like it's not like a cakewalk, but it's it's also one that you guys, you know, have played fairly well in Waco. Uh, I mean, you know, it's been up and down. I like most teams. It's not like Kansas going down to Waco where it's just been an absolute dumpster fire year after year. So. Um, you know, I do wonder though about that stretch where you host Kansas State, go on the road to BYU, and then host, you know, then have your bye before hosting TCU and heading to Lawrence. Like that feels to me like that's the four game stretch that you have to worry the most about. Yes, you have Texas at the end of the year, but at that point, it's either you're looking for a really good win to ruin Texas's, you know, chance of going to the to the Big Twelve Championship game, or you're facing Texas with a Big Twelve Championship berth on the line for either team. So. Unless, of course, Texas just completely falls off, in which case, like, I would laugh like crazy, and I think everybody would enjoy Texas Tech just slacking them. You know what's funny? In that five-game stretch at Baylor, home against K-State, at BYU, home against TCU, and at Kansas, um, and and I'm not saying this because I think they're a bad team, because I actually have them, I think, ranked third in the conference as of right now. When we did the pod poll, I had them third. Um, But I actually think the easiest of those five games, the most likely to win of the five games is home against TCU. A Thursday night game against TCU. It's going to be crazy, uh, but that's actually the game I'm most confident about in that five-game stretch. Uh, at BYU scares the hell out of me. Not because I think BYU is going to be this great team. First time in Provo. It's going to be a night game. Like those, and 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 we actually in the mountains, Jeff Hansen like, in the mountains. We had Jeff Hansen yeah. from the Brigham Help Hot on our on ours, and he brought up a great point of that. That's really going to be their first true Big 12 game. They have another home or home game. They have a home, the home game against Cincinnati, but they're really going to look at Texas Tech of like, oh, we've arrived. And so that game is going to be pretty crazy. And so like that one, though out of the five, that may not be the best team, actually probably the worst team of the five, that one's going to scare me. At Lawrence, especially, it's not going to be an it's not going to be a cakewalk. Usually we go to Lawrence, oh, it's going to be a dub, no problem. Oh, well, right. I mean, that was pretty much everybody. Right? Like, is, so. Yeah, Ex- so except for Texas. Team, so. <laughs> Dollar right. but I, I, I yeah i do think that that's so it, it is going to be a tough five game stretch there i think baylor nobody knows what the hell baylor's going to be like anybody that said they know what baylor's gonna oh be, gosh i know I, I, nobody knows what they're going to be they could be great they could be terrible I, I have no idea oklahoma state's kind of in there too but i think like you said oklahoma state i think oklahoma state cincinnati are probably the two mystery teams and baylor's not that far behind them in terms of like yeah, what are they for sure so for sure um I mean, at least it's not, you know, like West Virginia, you know, comps where people are. I saw some crazy comp for Garrett Green on Twitter um, from West Virginia talking about how he has like the 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 um, the mental toughness of Eli Manning, the field vision of Patrick Mahomes. It's just like, oh, my gosh. Come the field on. vision of who? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, and like there was a Tom Brady comp. There was a Peyton Manning comp. There was oh a, my God. it was, it was like, oh my gosh, like someone is delusional. And I mean, I guess every fan base is going to have those delusional guys, but it's nice. No, to, but you know why? It's nice this? to be confident though. In it's, it's nice for us to be able to be confident in our teams without being but Andy, extremely delusional. Who's the most popular player on the team, on every team? The quarterback. The backup quarterback. The backup oh, that's quarterback fair. is the most that's popular fair. player on the team. And he's been a backup quarterback for, what, three years now? Right? And that's so, fair. like, that's, that's why he's built up this allure 
of Garrett Green. He's so I, two years ago. He's when I was so in great Tom, they were, that they him. left him as a backup because nobody else could handle how great he was. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it, all right. Instead of letting him replace, instead of letting right. him just organically be the starter last year, they're like. Yeah, let's let's go out and get somebody else. Yeah, exactly. And this year they're like, ah, oh, we can't, we don't have anybody. Right, we can't go out and so. get anybody else. Like it worked. Okay, all right. So, so yeah. final. Let's let's go ahead and wrap up here. Um, yeah. Final question for you: What do you see Texas Tech's record being this year? Keeping in mind that they're going to lose to Kansas and Lawrence. So that's that's a tough man. I um, I don't know. Uh, so. <laughs> This is tough because I've gone so far back and forth. Oh, I know. Me too. I actually think this team is going to do. Um, it, it's really tough. I I think I have settled with the prediction that we're going to be nine and three this year, um, in, in in the regular season. Um, and nine wins makes me. I, and and I, actually, I'm going to say nine and three regardless. Like whether we beat Oregon or not. If we lose to Oregon and we have three conference losses, or if we lose to Oregon and we have two conference losses, I'm just going to keep that nine win total period. Um, I'm actually, because of that, I'm actually hoping if we lose to Oregon and still have nine wins, I mean, we're probably in Arlington. So that'd, that'd make me feel good. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to stick with nine wins. I don't think we make it to Arlington, though. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, I do think we're going to lose to Texas at the end of the game. And I think the winner of that game is going to go to Arlington. And I think Texas is going is, to, is, because it's in Austin, I do think Texas is going to end up having a, a field goal or something like that that's going to that's gonna win that game for them. And they're going to ride off into the sunset and, and into the SEC. Which is gonna make me nauseated. Um, but uh, don't don't worry. We'll send them to the SEC with two losses to Kansas this year. How's that? That'd be fantastic. That'd make me feel so much. <laughs> that would be so freaking amazing. That'd make me feel. Can so you much imagine? Better. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think those. I will say. I think if I'm if I had to put and say what the three losses are, I do think we're gonna beat Oregon. I, I don't ask me why. I'm not very confident in me my saying me saying that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say a Texas Tech win against Oregon to put everybody kind of on notice. But I think our three losses, uh, home against K-State, because we lose to K-State a lot. And, and Tech fans don't know this. Like, if you ask Tech fans who's the team we've lost to the most in the past decade, they'll probably say, you know, Tech. Right. Like, no one will say K-State, but it's, it's K-State. Nobody will say K-State. Because every year, and I, and I talked about this with uh, um, Scott Wildcat, every year Texas Tech's like, oh, we almost beat K-State, or oh, we should have beat them, or oh, man, I can't believe we lost to them. But we can beat them. They're not like nobody's ever scared of K State. Every year we we play them. Every year we barely lose to them. But it happens every single year, and so I think it's gonna happen again this year. Um, right, and I mean you're not looking to get rid of Matt Wells this year, so like this would be the year that's to so not true. lose to them. But, but they're they're I think they're the best team in the conference. So I think that's that's the loss there. Actually, I I, I agree with you. And, so and and oh, I on the pod poll. On the pod poll, and and yes, um, Scott is going to find this out because he's in the next episode. Um, I actually put them seventh in the pod poll with Texas right behind it. Eight. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Dang. That's correct. Actually, no, you did tell me this. I yep. was just talking last time. And I was going to say, wait a minute. Yeah, I did it. I said it on your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, you did. Like, I'm, still, I'm still shocked. Um, but I, I think those are the two losses, K-State, Texas. I think there'll be another random one. And, and it's probably – to be at honest, Baylor I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be either at BYU or at KU. Like I, I think you split those two games, honestly. Or those three. Like one of those. Th- one of those three at Baylor, at BYU, at K- Kansas. Like one of. Like I think K State and Texas, and then one of those three road games. Yeah, pick, pick, take your pick. It's funny. It's yeah. funny because normally you'd be like, you know, both of these teams are bringing back so much. Like what happened last year and what changes, but 
you can't really look at last year, right? Because because uh, no. Shuck was coming back from injury after Morton got injured, and Kansas was running Jason Bean because Jalen Daniels was still out. Like no. these two teams were completely different, even though they're bringing back pretty much everything. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I won't even try to break down this game at this point because so much is going to change between now and then. But I do think that that is going to be one of the more entertaining games of the Big Twelve this year, just because you're going to have two offenses that are going to be phenomenal. I think throughout the course of the year and they're going to get better throughout the year. And the question is just going to be whose defense improves the most. So, all right, I'll be for those that want to find your work online. Where's the best place to find it all? Uh, yeah. So if you want to find me, um, Twitter, I get X dot whatever the hell. Always Twitter. So the I, will ne- I will never refer to it as X. It is always Twitter. There you go. Thank you. Like, yeah. I, like I said before, I'm going to call it Twitter. I'm going to call it Twitter. Um, so at Mr. Underscore, I'll be sure. A-L-B-I-E-S-H-O-R-E. You can find us at Tortillas N Takes, the letter N Takes. Um, you can find my co-host at Jeremy Tweets, uh, J-E-R-A-M-E-Y. I got to shout him out because he just changed his Twitter name and it's much better than it was before. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and, and anywhere you listen to podcasts, Tortillas and Takes, uh, we're there. Spotify, Apple, all that jazz. Uh, we're there. And then, of course, you know, join the 1012 Patreon. I don't know if any exactly. of you in the pod, but Join the ten twelve Patreon, right? I say you, I talked about it last time. I was gonna shout it out, but you're doing it for me. So yeah, both hey, of us are part I'm, of ten twelve Patreon. Man. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> ten ten twelve network. We've got a bunch of great shows over there. So um, yeah, we do have a Patreon. Philip so far has put a couple pretty interesting articles, I think, up there. And there's you know there's a bonus episode of the ten twelve podcast and. I'm looking at potentially trying to put bonus episodes of this podcast up. Like we are going to be doing stuff with that Patreon. So you want to go ahead and go support your favorite school, um, your favorite podcast. Um, you know, I'm not going to feel bad if all these Texas tech people come out and support you. I'll be, as I'm sure that you won't care if all the Kansas people come support me. So just the more people we get there, the better. Um, you know, get, Discord get, get rolls, all that fun get, stuff. Let's do you know, it. Get Andy some, get Andy some coffee. You know what I'm saying? Get him, I don't drink know, coffee. Get though. him a beer. Give me some Monster uh, Energy drinks. How's that? <laughs> you know, some Celsius. What about Celsius? Oh the, like, yeah, no, no I've had Celsius. That's pretty good. Or Celsius the, the or the Aspire stuff. Like they've got a bunch of good yeah. ones. So anyway, I, you know, so I just wish Celsius wasn't so expensive. Really oh gosh, expensive. I know I it's that. so ridiculous how much energy drinks yeah. cost. So all right, well, before we get derailed on a you know twenty minute conversation about the best energy drinks, let's go ahead and cut <laughs> it off there. I'll be thank you so much for joining me, and thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. No, not Stitcher because Stitcher is going away, as Levi pointed out to me that I accidentally said last time. But Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of the other million apps that are out there, just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. Give us a rating and review, five stars, nice comments, absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, let us know what we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are blasting through. I think we're going to have like six episodes in less than two weeks. So make sure you guys get subscribed so you can get every episode as soon as it comes out. But we are part of the 1012 Podcast Network with all of these fantastic podcasts covering all 14 teams of the Big 12 Conference this year. And we've already started looking for, you know, podcasts for the new guys. So there can be a lot more coming. We just added a bunch of shows. Make sure you go out there to Tento Network to get and look at what we're doing. But thank you, Albie. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast.
Social Podcast Network.